Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Today we're talking to Rebecca Lambert, a copywriter and marketer and founder of the Freelance Jungle and Hacking Happiness. Rebecca is known for her honest approach to freelance life, the highs and the lows. She helps members of her community cope with all the challenges that come with being a freelancer. And today she's going to pass on some tips and ideas to you lucky listeners. So if you've ever struggled with the feast and famine, had feelings of self-doubt, or wondered if this freelance copywriting life is really for you, this episode is here to help. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success. And with me today, as always, is my co-host in San Francisco, Belinda Weaver. Yes, my name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass. And today, before we get stuck into our interview with Rebecca Lambert, which I'm super excited about, we're going to start the show with one of our questions that delves into our inner being. Today, the question is, Belinda, what is your superpower? Well, as usual, I get caught by these questions, so I was just having a think. <laughs> I, today, in particular, I would say... And you're going to say this is so lame, Kate. But my superpower is breathing. And I'm going to explain. You're so Because I know, I know. (laughs) But do you know what? I, as a parent of a small human, and that's not just a parenting thing. Many people have very, very frustrating days where everything counts against them, or at least it feels like that. I think I am very, very good at breathing away my frustration and my anger and sometimes my sadness. And so that is what I would say my superpower is right now. Well, I think that's an awesome superpower, and I actually don't think that's lame at all. I think you are very good at that. You're a very calm and collected being, Belinda Weaver, and I admire that in you. Um, Tell me yours. Don't cry. (laughs) Well, again, although I wrote this question, I didn't think about what my answer would be. I guess um, maybe, I don't know, enthusiasm or prolificness or, or, like, doing lots of stuff. Is that a superpower? Like multitasking. You are prolific. I am. uh, Almost to the point of being irritating. But hey, that's my (laughs) thing. Unfortunately, I I don't breathe while I'm being prolific. So I often end up very sweaty and red faced. But there you go. If you have a superpower, a superpower, a superpower, uh, feel free to tweet us at hotcopypod. Cast? Is it Hop Copy Podcast? I never know. Yeah, to you got it. You, you got, got it. it. And uh, Belinda and I would, be love, would love to hear. Um, okay, so enough of that. Let's get stuck into our interview. And Belinda and I are very excited about today's guest uh, because it's Rebecca Lambert. Hello, Rebecca Lambert. Hello. How are you doing, guys? Very good. You've got a good radio voice there. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that. I've got a great face for radio. Great face for radio. I have too. Um, so I gave you a little a little bio there at the beginning, um, but is there anything that we missed out? Anything else you'd like to add? Um, not really. I mean, like you, I, I do a million things at once, Kate. So um, the only other thing is I am also the content maker at Unashamedly Creative, which is my freelance business, but then I've been branching out into helping other freelancers. So I do know both sides of the fence. I'm not just here in the theoretic. 
Yeah, I think, you know, um, Belinda and I have known Rebecca for many, many years now. And we all kind of began our journey, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. Beck, correct me if that's if that's wrong. Is that how, when did yeah, you? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. And we all kind of started off together and we're all copywriters, content creators. And, you know, some of us have branched off into other things. Some of us ha- haven't. But I think over the last few years, although obviously you're still working for heaps of clients via Unashamedly Creative, you've become a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a leader in the whole freelance world. Like you're, that's what you're known for, I think, the freelance jungle. And, uh, you know, how did, how did that come about how did how did you decide to take that jump into freelance jungle completely by accident um as is most things that happened to me in my life basically when I was uh, I just started freelancing I'd been doing it part-time in 2009 I started doing it full-time in 2010 and I kept coming up against these challenges and I wanted to know whether there was something about what the way I was doing things that was causing me to have these challenges or whether they were universal. And I went everywhere. I went to the ABS. I went to all kinds of, um, you know, all of the government bodies that look after work, Fair Work Australia, all those sorts of usual places. Then I went to all the universities and I couldn't find any research that had been done on the challenges that freelancers were facing. And I ended up speaking to a very honest fellow at... Um, the ABS who said, look, we collect the data on how many people freelance, but we don't do anything with it. So um, I got a bit of a a bee in my bonnet and I set up a survey and I got about 166 freelancers from right around the country, uh, everyone from freelance drag queens through to, you know, your web developers and your copywriters. And what I found was the biggest challenge that most freelancers were facing was that sense of isolation. So that feeling of having to back yourself all the time and feeling like you're a little bit of an island and not having that connected community. So I just decided that I was going to start a community and I I started the Freelance Jungle. Oh, there you go. So you mentioned um, all this research you looked at from the ABS. Kate, what do you think, well, can you share the top three things, for example, that freelancers struggle with day to day? Um, look, I think it's it's the usual things that we, we think it is. It's, you know, setting up your processes. So managing your workflow, looking after your productivity, making sure that your jobs don't run over the top of each other um, and all of those kinds of things so that you're not, you know, the processes that you have. I think there's a also a lack of Um, baseline with a lot of freelancers out there we don't know how much to get paid we don't know how to get paid when people aren't returning our phone calls and all those kinds of things you know those niggly little bits of freelance life that are always challenging but I think the number the number one problem that the majority of freelancers have is that disconnection from themselves and from community and the, the sense that they can back themselves, that they can actually be a part of something and that they can, you know, be proud of who they are and what they do without having all of that self-doubt and all the rest. Because once you shake off the self-doubt, you can go and ask that client that hasn't paid you for the money or you can set up the processes that work for your productivity that help you manage your family life versus your freelance life and all that sort of stuff. But if you don't have that initial confidence, that's when the wheels fall off. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think you're exactly right there. I think we're both agreeing furiously. <laughs> we do. But, and I think the thing is as well, and I, you know, I love the fact that we're having this conversation, is that 
you know, many people sort of see freelance life as, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, it's the dream to, to leave that corporate job and to start a freelance life. And so there's a bit of a pressure there to really bloom and enjoy it once you start it and like be grateful and be loving it. And therefore it feels, you know, some people feel a bit bad, I think, about voicing the fact that actually it's kind of tough. And maybe it isn't everything we thought it would be, or there is different challenges and it's not necessarily easier. The line that I always like is, you know, as a freelancer, as your own boss, you get to choose exactly which 80 hours a week you want to work, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so true. Do you agree, Beck? I do. And and I, I look, I think there's a lot of mythology that's actually creeping into business and freelance especially. Um, small business also has this same problem and startup where it's become sort of like top of the pops to be in business it's it's become glamorized and everyone's running around with this whole do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life but the thing is you don't always love your freelance career you don't always feel happy to be sitting in your chair you don't always like the clients that you're working with you don't always know what the next step is I mean we're dealing with a bunch of people who by their very nature are self-driven and who are you know looking to to make their mark on the world and at a certain point you know in normal employment if you want to make your mark you go and get a promotion or you go start working somewhere else or you go and work overseas or you know you go and do your masters and and do further study and then create your career that way but when you're self-employed when you when you're actually working for yourself you have that exact same cycle probably in shorter cycles because you are so self-driven and you've got so much more responsibility to you know economics and keeping the flow happening and keeping the clients happy that we end up in this sort of stretchy, weird world where we try very hard to keep the wheels from falling off our business, but we're not getting that, uh, you know, we're not getting our curiosity satiated anymore. The challenge isn't there. Yeah, I think that's it. You have to constantly be both the stick and the carrot and all of that for yourself, which is really hard to kind of motivate yourself. There's no one to pat you on the back. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, that's... Yeah, we, we end up with compassion fatigue. It is a very thankless job. Your clients don't thank you. You don't have workmates to throw you a birthday party. You don't have other people that are out there cheering you on. We don't have, you know, awards and recognition. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, the ABS wasn't even collecting us as a statistic. It, it, it speaks about how much we're not actually sort of recognised. And there's still a stigma with freelancing. You know, people still look at freelancers as if we're a bunch of unemployable weirdos that are ch- that have chosen this life because there's something dysfunctional about us, rather than recognising that a lot of the time these are the people that um, are usually performing better in the other models but just want to carve out a different way of working. I and that. I also add that um, another challenge that we're facing as freelancers is maybe ourselves, you know, like we get to PR our own life on social media. And so the view we have sometimes of other freelancers is earning eight figures and working from the beach in Mexico or even just, you know, the the moments of uh, free time that we do actually take for ourselves. It's sometimes hard not to look at other freelancers and go, oh, how are they getting this free time? And there's that trap of comparison, yeah, definitely. I mean, Brooke McCarthy and I talked about that in the early stages of, of Hacking Happiness, the comparatonitis. It's like a disease. You start looking over the fence and thinking that the grass really is greener. But it's like 
the same thing with pricing off other freelancers. You don't know if they're making their money. You don't know if they're making a success. You don't know whether they're crying into their cheesecake every night. So, you know, you, you can't judge on external appearances because, you know, it's it's like testimonials that get written. Nobody writes a bad testimonial and then sticks it with pride on their website, do they? So you kind of have to look past those things and realize that all humans face challenges Everyone has to go through all of these processes. Everyone has moments of self-doubt and to think otherwise is erroneous. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's something that I think hopefully Belinda and I both do, both in this pod and and social media, is to be honest about the fact that, um, you know, we're struggling or we've had a bad day. I just literally posted something in my um, I Love SEO group about (laughs) the fact that I got a phone call at 6am this morning from some random dude wanting to ask me a question about SEO, you know, and like, what, what is that about? You know, it's, and, and being fed up about it, uh, because that's the problem with being a freelancer or having your own business. There's no boundaries, you know, your numbers out there, people can call you when they want. How do you enforce that? But anyway, waffling on my next question, which kind of follows on from what you've just talked about. And it's something that you and I have talked about a fair bit, Beck, is, you know, what kind of, do you think that, there are any particular character traits that help you be a better freelancer like you know we've talked a lot about emotional resilience or or just being a generally happy person do you think if you are there any character traits that you'd say if you've got them this cuts you out for being a great freelancer or is it not as black and white as that um I look I, I I think different people you know operate quite well in different things. I mean, what makes a a brilliant web coder is going to make an entirely different splash for someone who does design, for example, because they're going to have to have different traits and they're going to have to deal with clients in a in a in a different way. But the baseline that I always return to is um, the absolutely wonderful Neil Gaiman's um, commemorative speech that he did in 2012, where he talked about the, the role of the creative artist and the three things that you needed to, to have to be successful. And he talked about, you know, you need to be reliable, you need to be, you need to have ability and you need to be easy to get along with. But if you can get two of those right, you'll be a success. And I think that that's important to recognise that in freelance, as long as you are, you know, reliable and easy to get along with you will get work you don't have to be the best freelancer in town or you can be the best freelancer in town and be reliable and be a pain in the bum but you'll still get work (laughs) as well so I I think it's you know having that kind of baseline is is a good thing but if you've only got one of those things then you're definitely in trouble I think that's a really great collection (laughs) I do too I think as well, though, I think another one that I would add to Neil's list, I think that's to be successful, but to be happy as a freelancer and to enjoy it. I think some of the things you touched on before, you know, like not looking at competitors and developing something you've always said to me before, Beck, which I think is, is, is very important, is, you know, not responding too much to the highs or the lows you know so mm. you know not uh, you know not getting overwhelmed by when negative things happen but also not letting the praise get to you too much either otherwise you're on this awful roller coaster just being steady and that emotional resilience I keep saying that I think I've said emotional resilience about seven <laughs> times it's obviously my little tick box that I'm trying to tick um well, it's, I'm it's, working on as a freelancer. it's true because I mean there's a, a, a thing that they say in counseling is that you know a lot of counselors burn out for 
example, because they're surrounded by kids that they're removing from homes or they're talking to women that are getting knocked around rooms or, you know, they're dealing with people that have got addictions and all the rest of it. It doesn't change. Um, the, the situation that you're in doesn't change, but your ability to connect and, and your ability to find compassion does. So over time, you get worn out by these sorts of situations that happen. And I think the same things happen with freelancers. If we if we keep getting beaten around the head by, um, you know, bad clients, if we keep thinking that we have to keep up with the Joneses over the, over the street, if we keep thinking that we have to chase some do-what-you-love you know, have that feeling about work where you're absolutely blissfully happy all the time and it simply isn't happening, then you start to actually dip into those reserves and you start to to teach yourself bad habits. And yeah, you do. You have to be a little bit sort of, you know, in the middle of the road, not, not ruffled by these sorts of situations because there's always something to be annoyed about and there's always something to be overjoyed about. But it's how you respond to situations that will create that resilience and create that sense of actually feeling like you're in control of what's going on. And I guess there's skills that are worth investing in just as much as the processes that we create and the writing skills that we keep fresh and all those kind of things is being our emotional resilience right yeah we've got to invest in it totally you know and and the other thing like i mean emotional resilience is 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 actually i mean you can train yourself even if you had the the worst childhood ever or you've had the worst year ever you can still train yourself to have emotional resilience and the important things are you know getting enough sleep getting enough exercise getting enough downtime away from your work don't make work you know, a hundred percent of your life, but because of course you're already causing yourself problems. You're already um, creating those sorts of situations. Don't buy in on the mythology if it doesn't suit you. You know, find what inspires you and hold on to that, but don't go crazy with it. Um, because what someone else's answer is isn't necessarily yours. They're looking for validation by getting you to jump onto their side of yes, this is the way business should be run. Resist that urge and find your own. I like that. Run your own race. Um, going off on a, a bit of a tangent, um, something Kate and I have talked about before on the pod is, you know, the, the feast and famine side of freelancing. Sometimes you have pots of work and loads of money and then sometimes you're sitting around doing nothing. Um, and sometimes that doesn't happen at all, but there's a fear that you're going to run out of customers. So do you have any tips to maybe help freelancers get through um not necessarily the actuality of feast and famine, but the fear of it. Mm. Well, it's an interesting process because what it is is you're actually activating that flight, fight and, and freeze response. You know, when we were, um, you know, Neolithic cave people and we had a reason to be scared of a dinosaur, we'd have all of these alarm bells that would go off. Okay, I'm going to, you know, that dinosaur's going to block my path and I can't get past and I can't get to the food and I can't get to my cave and all this sort of stuff. What we've got in the modern world is the same thing. So when when we're, we're blocked off from work or if we can't get a decision made or if, or if something's going wrong in our world, we start elevating to, the, to those sorts of levels of anxiety and that's when you'll find that, you know, you'll feel that stress building in your body and all the rest of it one of the first things that you can do is just take a step back and realize that you're not about to be eaten by a dinosaur that it's just a rude email from a client 
um, or that you haven't got enough work or that, you know, the money hasn't come into the bank account like you expected. And then think about the processes that you go through and the things that you can change within the situation, leaving the things that you can't change alone. So it, that's part of the process. The other part of the process is, is just basic, you know, mindfulness, um, things like meditation, things like yoga, things like going for a walk with the music on loud, having those moments where you can actually sit quietly and think without having to worry about your business all the time, giving yourself a reprieve, catching up with friends, um, you know, reading a book, listening to live music, all of those kinds of things actually are processes of mindfulness where you actually take yourself from worrying about the things that have happened in the past and worrying about the future and just being in that present moment so that you can cleanse your head. And the other thing is, too, gratitude. The one thing that most people forget most of the time is you've got to be grateful for the things that are going right for you. If you always focus on the things that go wrong, they become the only things that you see. So if you are having a hard time, as hard as it is, try and find the things that you can be thankful for. Try and find the things that you you can feel happy about. Because as cheesy as that sounds, if you start having a little list of things that you like about the fact that you freelance, that when you get hit by the waves that are not so nice, things won't feel so bad and you'll be better able to cope and be better able to revisit point one, which is, okay, what parts of this can I change? What parts of this can I influence? Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think, you know, well, I, a lot of what I took out of there is about is about boundaries. And I think a lot of freelancers feel that they've got to work and work and work and that they can't take that time for the walk and then catch up with friends because they've got to put all their energies into their freelance business. And, and Belinda and I talked about this on a, on a previous pod where she was, you were saying, Belinda, I remember I felt like I had to do all the things. Um, mm. And I still think we have those thoughts, don't we, sometimes? Like, oh, I've got to do the thing because such and such is doing the thing. And yeah, and also, like, if you say no to something, yes. then it's all it's all going to go up in a puff. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's so important to kind of take that time out. It's something that I'm still learning about, you know, after seven, eight years to, to step away is as important as doing that extra hour is important not to do that extra hour. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, very interesting. Um. Next question, I think, is it's kind of a different one. It's like when things are quiet and you don't have a big pipeline of work, what kind of suggestions do you have about keeping the momentum going? Like, you know, sometimes if there's no pressing deadline, it can be hard to come and sit at your desk and actually do the day. Um, So what what are your tips for keeping momentum going? Well, first of all, treat your own business like a client. If you don't have any clients scheduled in for that week or if you're missing a day and you feel like you're going to be anxious if you don't take, you know, if you don't do something with that day, treat your business like a a client and actually work on your business. Look at your blog, top up your social media, think about a new project that you can start, all of that kind of thing. Um, have something that you can sit there and and clean up. Um, I have this wonderful thing that I call my dirty list, which is all of the tasks that I never get around to doing that I know that I should do at some point, but I love pushing away and procrastinating about. If I've got a bald spot in my calendar, I pull out the dirty list and I make myself do it. It's kind of like a kid eating vegetables, but it makes you feel good because you're actually doing something and you're pushing through all of that stuff that you don't normally do. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I think true. I need a list like that. <laughs> <laughs> the problem I have is um, that kind of list gets intermingled with my priorities sometimes and that can make my to-do list seem really messy. Um, but I like the idea of having that in a separate list so that when you have – someone I was talking to recently, I think it was even a student of my copywriting course, was saying she calls it her five-minute list where she has a separate list of things that might only take five minutes. So if she has five minutes to spare, she can knock off these quick little things. But I like the idea of separating it out so that you can kind of go, this isn't getting messed up with your priorities that you need to focus on, but this is stuff that still needs to be done when you yeah, have like the time. That, that, you know, to do and nice to do sort of thing or nasty to do. I also think a little tip there is, is you know, when you do have a gap, take a break, you know, have, an, have a day out, do something different, you know, be that freelancer that everyone thinks you are, sitting around eating crisps, watching Netflix, do that because you'll come back the next day so refreshed, like if you're not, so many days as freelancers, we have to turn up and do the work whether we feel like it or not, it's not like in a job where some days you can turn up and spend the whole day, you know, looking for mini breaks on the internet and no one notices, that's what I used to do, um, when you're a freelancer, you're, you're accountable. So, you know, you have to turn up and you have to put, pump the work out even when you're really hating it. So if you do get a gap, just have a day off. Do something different. That would be... And then the momentum will come back naturally. You won't have to force it. That's what I find anyway. Not that I ever take days off, but I imagine <laughs> that's what would happen. I was wondering about that. I'm like... Mm, huh, uh. She doesn't do that. I do sometimes. I, I, I work so feverishly, but by Friday morning... I'm just like a blob. So I often scoot off on Fridays and do nice things. I get foot massages and stuff like that. I do do it. I just don't talk about it. Yes. Um, So I wanted to dig into um, hacking happiness. And I'm sure most of our listeners, based on everything you've said so far, won't be surprised to find out more about this. But I love hacking happiness. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Well, hacking happiness was, it's kind of like an extension to the rest of what I was finding with the freelance jungle, um, which is, you know, stress has a productivity cost. Whether we like to admit it or not, you know, if we keep working ourselves 60 hours a week, our productivity drops markedly down to about 20 hours of actual quality work. You know, we do these things to our brains. Our brains need more sleep. They need more rest and all the rest of it. So that whole idea of stress being um, a productivity cost is is a thing that we've lost. And you can see it in white-collar professionals. You can see it in freelancers, small business, startup. Everyone is kind of running around with these big trophies and these big shields around their neck saying, I work a lot of hours and I'm really important and isn't that great? When you can see that, you know, there's also a rise in mental health issues, stress-related illnesses and all the rest of it. I mean, the, the latest productivity, work productivity um, survey estimates that lost days through stress costs the economy something like $3 billion a year in Australia um, and that 45% of the Australian workers that are out there are going to face a major mental health crisis in their lifetime. And it's because, partly because we've bought in on this whole you know, to be busy is to be productive when 
really to be busy is to be stressed to be productive is to be productive so that's what hacking happiness does and it, and it busts the myths about happiness all of that do do what you love stuff and you'll never work a day in your life all of those contributing factors that that fall into that sort of process and it looks at the stigma that is around mental health and suicide because that's another area where we really need to start thinking about the fact that these things are quite important and how we respond to them is equally important as a society you know it, they've done studies and found that if if you talk about suicide openly people are less likely to commit suicide you know considering that suicide is the leading killer of people aged 17 to 45 in Australia we need to do more about that considering that 17% of all suicides is now workplace related we need to definitely talk more about that for sure and, and, and I, I like love the fact I was oh, sorry. sorry I was going to say I, I love the fact that hacking happiness gives provides a space where people can have those conversations yeah I think the freelance jungle group on Facebook does as well and I think um you know one thing I think that you've kind of built a reputation for is kind of bursting that whole bubble of you know think positively and everything will be awesome and you know just smile and everything will be great dream big you know Mm. it's like they're all it's all true but I'm sorry dreaming big and having a kiki k thing on your wall saying you are awesome is not enough to succeed in business um but also redefining what success is to you in business and not comparing it to it's very complex it's not as straightforward as many people seem to think it is i think so i love that you're kind of pulling i don't know what the expression is pulling the duvet back on that what what am i trying to say (laughs) you're kind of revealing all of that to everybody and letting people have a space where they can share the bad stuff yeah you know and and the not so great stuff i'm I'm cheesing them off a lot too because people are really invested (laughs) in these myths they 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 really want to to feel that you know if i work this hard i will get that million dollars well no i'm sorry you know 95 (laughs) percent of all startups fail 65 percent of all small businesses fail within the first year um the majority of freelancers don't last their 10th anniversary we need to actually stop shaming people accidentally by saying, you know, oh, you failed. Well, you mustn't have worked hard enough. That it, that seems yeah. incongruous to me. It seems unfair to actually take a bunch of people that work their guts out and then to say to them, well, you've just failed, so you mustn't have worked hard enough. It's just not, it's not right. Those stats are terrifying. I never knew those stats. Um, I think it's also then if you are still going after your first year or, you know, coming up to your 10 year anniversary, it's like, well, well done. You know, what an achievement, you know, recognise that you've done, you know, it's such a big thing to still be going. Um, pat yourself on the back. Absolutely. Or get someone else to pat you. I think we should all just um, jump out of cakes together. We should jump out of cakes. That sounds great. Um I think, again, and we've touched on this, but one of the things that is a huge problem for freelancers is that feeling of loneliness and that feeling of isolation. Um, Because often, you know, we're working at home on our own and there is no team and no drinks on a Friday. So, So I know that you work hard to solve this problem, but what can anybody listening do to try and combat their feelings of isolation? I think the first thing is to drop the competitiveness. Um, the people that I see that struggle the most with feeling isolated usually have kind of, you know, matured into freelancing, thinking that to be number one on the top of the tree is is the main aim, and they're usually the people that struggle the most. 
um, I think it's important to actually sort of look around and look for connections that are there, you know, um, look for the opportunity to reach out to people online, look for events, even if you don't want to go to the, the, the business events because they seem staid and boring or, the, or they bore you to tears. Um, you know, look for Sidewinder events like Think Act Change or, or any of the, the meetups out there that are within realms so that you can connect up with people on a regular basis through your interests that might not necessarily be business, but that still give you that intellectual, um, you know, kick so that you can keep rolling. And I think the other thing is too, you know, look for the opportunity to actually connect up with other people and look for the opportunity to share your own story. I mean, if you're going to blog about it, make a podcast, do videos, Facebook Live makes that incredibly easy these days, all the rest of it. If you start telling your story and creating your own behind the scenes situation, then you can start connecting up with people as well. You know, everything always starts with a conversation. You know, the amount of lives that were saved at the Gap in Sydney, for example, with a dude that lived across from the Gap going and seeing people in distress um, and offering a cup of tea and a piece of cake and a chat is, is immeasurable and that's literally what humans need we just need to connect doesn't need to be fancy doesn't need to be you know expensive dinners or you know big popular groups or anything just find a couple of people that you can chat to online or in person and start breaking down those walls because that's you know the important part of things and that's part of the reason why I moved the freelance jungle onto Facebook and we have the closed Facebook group there so that people have got a safe space where they can come and talk about things and it's not just here's a freelance job it's you know I'm having trouble struggling you know my partner's work is getting downsized and now I'm responsible for all of the money that we have to make in our family how am I going to do this kind of thing or people that have just you know had a rotten time with a client or they've had a project blow up you know it gives them the opportunity to talk so look for those kinds of things and look for places in meetup that you can meet people like for example with the freelance jungle we've got face-to-face meetups in Wollongong Sydney um, Brisbane and there's been interest indicated in other cities Um, so hopefully in 2017 I'll be able to bring some other people on to to host those but it's really simple and it's never business pitch it's never learning it's just about having a beer or a coffee and having a chat because that's what you need to do. One thing I found interesting about the idea of isolation is that certainly my first few years when I was just working and working and working and working because I felt I couldn't say no to anything is that I didn't think I felt isolated, but because I spent so much time alone, maybe only chatting to people online, um, it wasn't until I had, say, invitations to go out socially and I found myself going no, I don't really want to go, Mm. that I found that surprising. So there was, I felt, I didn't realise I felt disconnected until I didn't want to connect. Yeah. So that was a realisation for me that I had to put just as much much effort into those connections outside of work lest they just go away. And that's that's exactly right. And you know what? That can be the precursor to social anxiety, which means that sometimes you can't go out and have those conversations with people. You can't handle those big crowds anymore because you let that go. I mean, we are social creatures. We're like puppy dogs in a way. We need a little pack. We need to run around and, and rumble and have cooperative play and then, then go home and have a nap and, and keep going kind of thing. You know, we need, we need purpose, but we also need to know that we are connected to something much much bigger than ourselves Um, and one of the ways that we do that is by having a sense of community and if we stop that sense of community then we can um, negatively 
affect ourselves because we increase our sense of isolation, we increase the stress, and then we increase our susceptibility to anxious disorders, mental health issues, um, physical health issues even, and all that sort of stuff. So it's really important, even if you don't want to go, to kick yourself out of the office once a month, to, to go and do these things and to interact with people. Even if you have a horrible time, it's better than having no time at all. Yeah, and I think one thing, important thing to say there is that uh, you know the, your groups, the freelance jungle, and all those meetups are all free. So um, uh, Rebecca doesn't charge for any of those. So um, which I think is 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 admirable. And I think you know social meetups are, are fantastic. Obviously, Australia is a large place, and sometimes it's not easy for everybody to get to the thing. So I think you know there is a lot of value in online communities as well. I think as well. Um, the point you made about your competitors so something I've always kind of banged on about is how to sort of make your competitors your cheerleaders and not be fearful that you know if you're a designer or a copywriter that you can't share things with other designers and copywriters because they're going to steal your clients or your ideas and many people who join my little community the global copywriting community are like wow I never realized that I could actually be in a group with loads of other copywriters sharing jobs and rates and prices and ideas and it doesn't feel competitive um, I think that's such an important thing and as you said it's those people and I've had moments like this who do see everybody as their competitors that end up being the most isolated in the end because they don't feel they can share anything with anybody because they're so terrified uh, so yeah really good points there so we'll share links to Hacking Happiness and the Freelance Jungle community on Facebook where you can find out about all those meetups uh, in the show notes for this for this episode uh, so you can go and check them out excellent so Beck, just to wrap up um, what bit of advice would you give anyone thinking of becoming a freelancer? So they're in a day job, they see the glorious lifestyle we all lead as freelancers. <laughs> what, what bit of advice would you leave them with? Know why you're doing it. Because if you don't know why you're doing it and how much it costs you to sit in that chair every day, um, then it becomes very, very difficult when the rocks get thrown out from underneath you. You have to know why you personally are motivated to do it. Not these extrinsic motivators such as fame and glory and cash coming out of the wazoo and the ability to work in any country in the world that you so choose. Most of those things don't actually come into the reality the way that we expect and we all have to work damn hard to stabilise them to the point where they do. You need to have some intrinsic motivation. So something inside of you has to go all right, I want to do this for the right reasons. So you want to do it for your family. You want to do it because you believe you can do something better. You want to do it because you want to change the world. You want to do it because you can do it standing on your head and do a side project, whatever the situation is, you know, moving to a regional town where there's no jobs, become a freelancer. If these are your motivations, they're, they're good things to have, but know what you're doing it for and be able to say that with pride so that when someone comes along to you and says, oh, you should have four people in your team, you should be making $200,000 a year, you should be working in Bali right now and you should be famous, you can turn around and go, that doesn't interest me. This is the reason why. Oh, oh, I love that. 
gosh, I want to put that on a, make that into a thing and stick it on my wall. And I think knowing those things and remembering those things is so important. A little example here is my why was always that I could live out of Sydney, not live in the centre, and I could go to things for my son. I could be there for my son and go to school events now and again. And yet this morning, ironically, I've got loads of school stuff on today and I'm like, damn, you know, I want to get on with my work. And then I'm like, oh, remember my why? Remember why I'm doing this? It was so I could go to stuff like that. So it's, yeah, remembering them is really important. because <laughs> so I write them down somewhere and stick them on the wall. But that was amazing. Thank you so much. I think I'm going to listen to this a few times myself to get some extra advice. No, that was smashing. Um, so thank you for the amazing advice we'll be sure to include links to all your various websites and facebook groups in the show notes as i said uh, thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your advice thank you very much for having me and thank you for having a podcast that people can tune into because there's a lot of people out there that would turn around and go copy that's not going to be working in audio how the hell would that work and they wouldn't do it so thank you for being brave enough to do it Oh, thanks. Oh, that's nice. I think oh, we actually did have that conversation, didn't we, Kate? What? I think so. <laughs> Copy <No>. on audio. <laughs> yeah. It was all Belinda's idea. I'm just here for the for the for the giggles. Really. For the free chips. Um, <laughs> for the free chips. Um, awesome. All right. Regular listeners will know that at this time we read out a review of the show, and today we're giving a shout out to Anna Hattie, who left us a review on iTunes. And Anna says. I'm currently working towards setting myself up as a freelance copywriter and was looking for a podcast which would provide some helpful tips, being a newbie and all. Hot Copy does that and so much more. Belinda and Kate are the perfect duo. Their tips are invaluable. I can't say invaluable. And the podcast is a joy to listen to. I've caught up with all the podcasts now, but I know I'll be dipping in and out of them again lots in the future. I feel part of the copywriting crew and it's really giving me the confidence to go the confidence to go for it. Thanks both. Please keep it up. Thank you, Anna. That's a lovely review and great it that we sure can. It is. It is, isn't it? It's weird for us to sometimes think that you're actually out there listening, so it's nice to get these reviews. <laughs> so yes, thank you to you for listening to the show if you do like it uh, please uh, take some time maybe to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher Um, not only do they make me and Belinda happy uh, but they will help other freelancers find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show you can also head to the hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode or find us on Twitter or Facebook so thank you very much Belinda thank you Kate And thanks, Beck. And until next time, happy writing! So you're still listening? Great. Because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Yeah, no, no I, I clicked a button and I shouldn't have clicked the button. <laughs>